You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. Continuing with our World Cup Digest, covering latest matches and news, today we'll be covering four matches, matches number 26, 27, 28 and 29, played between Bangladesh and Australia, Sri Lanka and England, India and Afghanistan, West Indies and New Zealand, respectively. Without further ado, let me welcome my co-host Ajit so that we can talk about this. Hello, Ajit. Hi, Giri. Bhagwan. Oh, wow. All right. I'm working on my, uh, you know, uh, patwa, if I may say so. Jamaican Why patwa. Not? Good man. Say it again then. <laughs> well, Wagwan, I said. Fantastic. So, for the uninitiated, it's a greeting in Jamaican patwa that basically means, how's it hanging? How's it going? It's what, what's going on in a, in a very short and a concise way. Ah, it goes good. I mean, yeah. uh, I just mm-hmm. came back from a match today. Uh, it was a tough match, but uh, we lost it, but we were not very disappointed to lose it. Let me put it like that. Our performances could have been better, but unfortunately, uh, we lost it. How about you, Giri? I hear you also play some games, right? Yeah, we had our uh, second group stage match today and uh, we won it. Uh, quite similar to last time. Uh, so we may, we've made it through to the quarterfinals, which will be played tomorrow. All right. Um, so that's tomorrow morning. So looking forward to it. Fantastic. Uh, I wish you all the best for the upcoming games as well. Thank you. But I'm going to have to play in the searing heat, actually. So it's, it's we are expecting more than 30 degrees uh, out there with a lot of sun tomorrow. Uh, so people who are complaining about uh, the weather, mm. uh, I think uh, they should uh, be careful about it tomorrow because it's going to be, I think there is a hot wave or the heat wave uh, in and around the Netherlands uh, in the next few days, at least in the southern part, away from the coast. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, let's see how it goes tomorrow. Well, I mean, I really hope, you know, you keep yourself nicely hydrated. And I hope, you know, it, it as tough as it might sound, we don't see those high temperatures, uh, 30s or mid-30s even in the Netherlands. So it's going to be a challenge for all of us. So let's hope, you know, it passes through in a much easy way, right? Indeed. All right. Now, going back to the matches, let's look at the first match. That is match number 26 played on the 20th of June between Bangladesh and Australia, right? So this was a very good match. This was played in uh, Nottingham, Trent Bridge, right? In this match, Australia elected to bat first. And uh, again, they set up a huge total, 381 for five. So it's like, uh, you know, David Warner started and ended the innings in a very nice way. He made a strong 166, right? And then uh, Aaron Finch started off well with him and he made a 53, supporting David Warner. Usman Khwaja kept him company for an 89. And then Glenn Maxwell came and twirled his bat a bit, making 32 in no time. And then Stoyanis and Carey and these people helped Warner through. And Warner played almost into the 45th over. And you could actually see he was very, very disappointed when he lost his wicket because... Uh, having made 166, he stood a realistic chance of getting it to 200, right? And he missed out on that. 
but nonetheless, the total of 381 for five was a very total total, right? There was not a lot to write uh, about uh, Bangladesh bowling. Uh, Mustafizur Rahman took one for 69, and Soumya Sarkar, who had to be brought into the attack in the dying overs, took three for 58. But you know, the the lack of fast bowling options or lack of effective fast bowling options against Bangladesh or for Bangladesh is really hurting them here. You can see that. But when it came to the Bangladesh innings, they put up a really spirited fight and they came really close. They came to 333 for 8, right? And Australia won by 48 runs. But, you know, Tamil Bal made a spirited 62. And then Soumya Sarkar uh, couldn't add much. But then Shakib Hassan had made a 41 ball 41 when he was dismissed by Stoinis, which can be characterized as one of the turning points in this chase. Mushfikur Rahim made an unbeaten 100. And then Liton Das made 20. But Mahmudullah made a 69 of just 50 balls. Sabir Rahman, Mehdi Hassan, and um, Mashrafia couldn't contribute much. But all in all, the match was sort of decided going into the 45th hour already, given the number of runs that Bangladesh had to chase. But the spirited effort with which Bangladesh tried to chase this total down was very good. right? So when you look at the Aussie bowling uh, analysis, so Mitchell Stark, Stark took 2 for 55, Nathan Coulter Nile 2 for 58, Marcus Tynes 2 for 54, and Adam Zampa took 1 for 68. Right, Pat Cummins and Glenn Maxwell had nothing home to write home about, but uh, they did okay with the bowling. All in all, David Warner was again the man of the match, and I think he's now the highest scoring, um, let's say, batsman in this World Cup, Kiri. Uh, what do you think of uh, how well David Warner has been going? Well, it's uh, it's actually a different David Warner that I'm seeing, because I think we've known David Warner to be an out-and-out attacking batsman who goes after the ball from the word go. Um, so I think he's either he's playing a different role this time round, or he has changed the way he's batting. So he's looking more at, uh, you know, constructing an innings and uh, being there for a longer duration, maybe even anchoring the innings, you know, because mm-hmm. we've noticed that Aaron Finch over the last few days in the previous few matches that they've played has been attacking more compared uh, to uh, David Warner. So he has a different role, I think. So maybe he feels more comfortable with in this role and Aaron Finch gets to play his natural game, right? So I think uh, the in, in both of them, while doing that, provide a very strong start uh, to the Australian uh, batting lineup. I think uh, their batting always starts well uh, when it comes to that. And so was the case here. I think they had 120 runs, 10, 20, 21 runs partnership, right? So it's working right. for them. Australia are looking very good. Indeed. And well, Bangladesh uh, did not help themselves when they could not win this match. But, you know, uh, as the events unfold in the upcoming days, it might very well happen that, you know, the top four positions are sort of sealed off. It's just a matter of who finishes where in the top four, right? Mm. So, let, as we see the other matches, let's go into that. So, mm. uh, would you like to take us through the second match, Kiri? Match number 27? Yeah, sure. So, um, this was played between uh, Sri Lanka and uh, England, the host England. This was played, if I'm not wrong, at Leeds, Headingley. So, Yorkshire uh, home ground. Um, right. Sri Lanka won the toss and uh, so they decided to bat first. Um, s- seemed like a, I would say a slowish pitch. I think that was the assessment, and it was expected to either slow down or uh, hold up a bit more towards the latter part of the day when the sun, you know, would come beating down. Um, so Sh- Sri Lanka lost both their openers cheaply, uh, Karuna Ratna and Pereira uh, for one and two, respectively. Uh, and uh, along with uh, Kusal Mendis, uh, this new guy. Right, uh, Avishka Fernando, a very talented young batsman. Uh, he played a very quick 49 runs. He just missed out on his 50, 
he was looking very good i think amongst all the uh, sri lankan batsmen he was looking more fluent and he even hooked or pulled uh, jofra archer uh, for a six over square leg so he was looking very good right. yeah and uh, yeah he was caught at third man i believe uh, of uh, markwood um, ah. and then uh, kusal mendes and uh, angelo matthews um, got together you know uh, and uh, they put on a very good partnership a very steady partnership the scoring rate was very low i think that was expected because the pitch was not um, you know so not a batting pitch uh, so to speak so uh, these two guys put on a partnership of uh, believe 70 odd runs 71 runs or so uh, before uh, uh, kusal mendis was dismissed for 46 angelo matthews continued batting and then he was joined by jivan mendis was out first ball cotton ball rashid uh and then dhananjay de silva made 29 runs but he couldn't last longer so he was also out off the mm-hmm. bowling of archer caught by root and then uh, tisara perera came out to bat he was out cheaply for two runs uh, isuru urana the other all rounder he was out for six runs uh, throwing caution to the wind i was caught mm. and um, the tail basically did not fire for uh, sri lanka malinga was out for one and noan pradeep was not out for one but in the end um, angelo matthews uh, who had a very scratchy innings but stayed not out till the end he he made a very crucial and as it turns out an important 85 uh, at the end of the match uh, at the you know at the end of this innings so sri lanka reached 232 runs for the loss of nine wickets in their 50 overs bowling wise chris wokes bowled five overs for 22 runs and picked up a wicket um jofra archer bowled 10 overs 52 runs and picked up 3 wickets um mark wood mark wood picked up 3 uh, wickets for 40 runs ben stokes 5 uh, overs 16 runs no wickets moin ali bowled economically for 40 runs in his 10 overs uh, adil rashid picked up a couple of wickets and uh, jorut also rolled his arm over for 13 runs uh, in his 2 overs when england came out to bat uh, they lost johnny westo very cheaply uh even in the first over by a beautiful uh, malinga delivery i think he was out lbw for a duck the local lad of course uh, johnny westo uh james win and joru tried to study the innings i think then james wins was out cheaply again for 14 runs he got a start but he didn't convert yet again so i think england are probably missing jason roy by now um joru and uh, owen morgan uh, i think put on 40 odd runs partnership for the uh, third wicket before owen morgan was uh, discussed, dismissed uh, by mm. udana i think it was a return catch it was a very good reflex return catch from udana the left arm uh, seamer and uh, then jorut and uh, ben stokes uh, put on a partnership of uh, 54 runs for the fourth wicket before jorut was out caught down the leg side of the bowling of malinga it was a faint tickle i think joru didn't walk but uh, sri lanka reviewed it and uh, they found a uh, spike uh, next to the bat i think when the ball passed the bat um and then uh, i think the english middle order strangely enough did not fire this time uh, butler got out mm. cheaply for 10 runs moin ali for 16 uh, chris wokes and adil rashid were both caught behind off the bowling of dhananjay de silva very cheaply 211 respectively right. and jofra archer tried to hit the ball out of the ground but he was also caught in the deep uh, of the bowling of udana then uh, mark wood 
I think was the last wicket to fall. Uh, when Ben Stoke was still there, he tried to, you know, I think he had to just basically bat out a few balls, but he didn't do that. I think he was out, caught behind. Ben Stokes remained unbeaten on 82 runs, uh, but he couldn't see the team home. England were all out for 212 runs inside their 50 overs, so 47 overs. Um, for bowling, Nuwan Pradeep got one wicket for 38 in his 10 overs, bowled very economically, had a very good initial spell. Dhananjaya De Silva, the part-time off-spinner, uh, three wickets for 32 in his eight overs. Tisara Pereira bowled economically for 34 runs, didn't pick up a wicket in his eight overs. Isru Udana, a couple of wickets uh, for 41 in his eight overs. Uh, Jeevan, Mendes went, Jeevan Mendes went for 23 runs in his three overs. But the pick of the bowlers uh, was uh, Slinga Malinga, who picked up four wickets for 43 runs in his 10 overs. But very importantly, he got... Uh, the wickets of uh, Joe Root caught down the leg side and Joss Butler. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. I, I think that those two crucial wickets paved way for, paved way for uh, an English collapse, English rare English batting collapse, I have to say. Um, man of the match was obviously Rasit Malinga for his fantastic bowling performance, but uh, also spare a thought for, uh, you know, uh, and Angelo Matthews for his wonderful 85 runs because of which Sri Lanka were able to finish as much, as, you know, with a score as much as they did. Um, so it, Sri Lanka have basically upset uh, the, you know, tournament favourites England uh, and England find themselves in a tricky situation now because they have their next games against, I believe, India, Australia and uh, one of the other teams. I can't remember which one. Was that Pakistan maybe? I don't know. I so they have so, a tough... Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they have a tough uh, couple of games coming up. So it, it's important for them to, you know, come back to form. Otherwise, they might actually have, you know, they might have an outside chance of being knocked out. Uh, well, I mean, uh, that seems to be a bit of a far-fetched notion at this point in time, at least. Yeah. But, well, at least Sri Lanka really have caused the first major upset of this tournament. Pakistan beating England was an upset, but... Uh, you know, Pakistan being Pakistan, everybody knows on their day they can upset anybody. So it, it was not really much of an upset. But even even before this match began, nobody gave Sri Lanka hope in this match. And considering the score that was put up in the first half, there was hardly any choice. Um, it looks like, you know, they had to go for broke and they did it really well. So mm -hmm. you can see that um, uh, at least Angelo Matthews played out a very... Typical innings. This is what was missing from Sri Lanka's, you know, sort of batting. Uh, and you can see that he held the innings through. And, uh, well, he could not really hit out at the end. Uh, mm. I remember he was bunting back a couple of balls from, uh, if I'm not wrong, Archer in the very last over. But it doesn't matter. Now it looks like, you know, he had done enough. Right? Yeah. This is one thing. The other thing, Malinga became the, I, I think he's the second Sri Lankan bowler to cross 50 World Cup wickets. So uh -huh. the other bowler is, of course, Murli. Right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Chaminda Vas had 49 wickets in World Cup. So Malinga became the second Sri Lankan bowler to take 50 World Cup wickets with this effort. And I think he was a bit unlucky towards the end. Uh, you know, Ben Stokes chipped one in the air with about, I think, uh, maybe 10 more runs to what was the final losing tally. And uh, the catch was dropped in the deep by, I think, Kusal Mendes, if I'm not wrong. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this would have given him a 5-4 and a deserved 5-4, so to say, given the how well he bowled. And... Mm -hmm. If you look at the scores, you know, there is a there is a strange kind of a symmetry. Uh, ben Stokes batting at 5, making a 82, which sort of cancels out 85, not out made by Matthews. Yeah. Right? 
but then avishka fernando made 49 and joe root made 57 so not very far off but you know kusal mendis made a 46 this was important dananjay de silva made a 29 all of these counted in the end right and all in all also i think the way isuru udana bowled and even though nltc perera tisara perera was not getting wickets i think him and isuru udana also had a very important role in this game yeah. because yeah. they bowled really well and dananjay de silva with his uh, not big turning off breaks but very accurate darting off breaks was able to you know take three wickets this was very well bowled by him as well yeah. right so for me i think the uh, some of the turning points you uh, as you pointed out was one was oin morgan's dismissal the other was probably joss butler's dismissal by malinga yeah right oin morgan was caught and bowled by udana this was an audacious catch it was it was just he plucked it out of thin air it looked like right yeah he caught that and then uh, the yorker the vintage yorker i think it was also a slower ball yorker if i'm not wrong that joss butler missed and was bowled was plumb in front right of malinga yeah i, w- I happened to catch that live actually so i have to talk about what happened before the dismissal so malinga had just got out i think uh, jorut was out and uh, joss butler was looking good i think he had hit a four or something uh, he, and uh, so when when uh, joss butler was batting at the beginning of the over what malinga did was or maybe with uh, in consultation with his captain karuna ratna he put a silly mid on in position and he tried to bowl full and deliveries on the stumps and the very first ball that joss butler faced in that over he just chipped it in the air to the left of silimidon he uh, i think the fielder there kusal mendis almost pulled off the catch there but it was just far away from him so that basically set the tone and then i think alarm bells probably started ringing in joss butler's head uh, thinking he wa- he could not hit the ball straighter anymore in that uh, direction and what malinga did next was he bowled a short pitch delivery i think this was probably something like a, a sacrifice and joss butler pulled it to uh, you know, to the square leg boundary for a four so joss butler was on the back foot because i think uh, in his mind he was still thinking about the fielder at silimidon but he got a four ball uh, in a boundary ball he hit it for four and the very next ball what does malinga do he bowls a slower ball yorker on the stumps and joss butler aware of the fielder at silimidon uh, you know uh, swings the bat across the line instead of trying to hit it straighter he tries to hit the ball towards uh, mid wicket or even square leg and because of that he missed the ball and then the ball hit the hit the pad and it was caught in front butler in fact reviewed it uh, but uh, it was all three red so he was he had to go but this was fantastic fantastic bowling and very good planning and strategy by uh, both the captain as well as the bowler and malinga to you know execute such plans Uh, to such great accuracy i think uh, hats off to the bowler i think we still see uh, <laughs> uh, the old dog has a lot of uh, tricks up his sleeve so very good to see malinga picking up four wickets in this match i think uh, he bowled really well rolling back all those years indeed well somebody in the commentary team i forget who also was pointing out the same thing that you know Uh, he was able to roll back the years upon command he's he's not the same force that he once was but he's still able to make a very telling contribution like recently he won the ipl of the last ball right yeah. by trapping sharul thakur so he's able to do that in like certain periods where he's as effective and as as good as he ever was right maybe these uh, times and periods come in flashes rather than a sustained burst but nonetheless that's good enough right he won this game now if you were to go further uh let's look at the matches that were played on 22nd of june so basically match number 28 and 29 
So uh, let's look. Uh, let's take a look at uh, match number 28, the India versus Afghanistan. This was a low-scoring thriller, Giri. Yeah, like played it. Uh, yeah, played it. Southampton, the... indeed. Yeah. yeah. At Hampshire Bowl, uh, uh, so played at Southampton. India won the toss, decided to bat first. I think everybody thought this was a very good batting wicket. So Virat Kohli said uh, he was very happy and he wanted to bat first. Uh, Afghanistan captain Gulbadin also said he would have done the same. But when uh, the Indian batsmen came out to bat, they found it very difficult to score on this pitch. I think it was stopping. It was a slowish pitch. It was not so much conducive uh, for uh, batting. Uh, Rohit Sharma was out cheaply uh, off the bowling of Mujibur Rahman, who shared the new ball with uh, Aftab Alam. Um, and uh, so this, so it was a, a not a longish opening partnership this time around. I think uh, the first wicket fell for seven runs. So an opening uh, partnership failure there in this case. And then KL Rahul and uh, uh, Virat Kohli, who came in at number three, uh, they put on a very good partnership of, I believe, 57 runs. And uh, Rahul was dismissed by Mohammad Nabi for 30 runs. Virat Kohli and Vijay Shankar then put on another sizable partnership uh, before Vijay Shankar was dismissed for 29. And then Kohli and Dhoni batted together for a few more runs. And then Kohli was himself dismissed for 67 runs uh, of 63 deliveries. Um, yet another 50 for Virat Kohli. I believe this is 50 number 52, if I'm not wrong, 51 even. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> look at the records here. Yeah. And then uh, Mahendra Singh Dhoni along with uh, Kedar Jadav, uh, they spent a lot of time together. I think they studied the ship. Uh, it was a very slow scoring match, I think. And uh, Mahendra Singh Dhoni uh, got out for 28 runs when the score was 192 uh, for the loss of five wickets. Hardik Pandya uh, could not repeat his uh, antics from the previous few matches, so he was out very cheaply for seven. Uh, Mohammad Shami, Kuldeep, and Jaspreet Bumrah, yeah, these guys could not add a lot of runs. And Kedar Jadav was actually dismissed for a well-made 52 runs. I think uh, this made sure India got to a score of a modest, if not meager, 224 for the loss of eight wickets in 50 overs. This is a la 1990s, right? So it's it's very much right. like the 90s. Hmm. Uh, Mujib got a wicket for 26 runs. Very economic spell there in its 10 overs. Aftab, one wicket for 54 in uh, seven overs. Gulbadin uh, picked up two wickets for 51 in his nine overs. Mohammad Nabi, two wickets for a very economical spell. Uh, 33 runs in nine overs. Rashid Khan picked up a wicket, uh, 38 runs in his 10 overs. And Rahmat Shah also picked up a wicket for 22 runs in his 5 overs. In response, um, I think it was a chaseable score. Afghanistan, if they if they had done well, I think if they had taken the game deep and if they had batted with a lot of sensibility, uh, they would have been able to chase this down. Um, but they lost their, uh, you know, opening partnership did not last long. They lost their first wicket for, wicket for 20 runs. Hazratullah Zazai was out for 10. Gulbadin uh, and uh, Rahmat Shah, the, the more traditional, I would say, test player, Rahmat Shah. These two guys put on a steadier partnership of 40-yard runs before uh, Gulbadin was dismissed off uh, Pandya. Uh, and uh, Rahmat Shah was out soon after. For on the score uh, 106 uh, he was dismissed himself for uh, 36 runs um, but I think that was a very turning point in the match Bumrah coming back for a second spell uh, could have even been the third spell I think uh, when he was uh, out 
caught off a bouncer. I think the pressure was piling on the Afghanistanis because they were not scoring a lot of runs, a lot of dot balls strung together, and then uh, this wicket fell. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Hashmatullah Shahidi was uh, caught and bowled by Bumrah for 21 runs. And then Asghar Afghan and uh, Mohammad Nabi got together, but Asghar Afghan was bowled off uh, Chahal for eight runs. Mohammad Nabi uh, continued batting with uh, Najibullah Zadran, uh, the, the flashy uh, and aggressive batsman, Najibullah Zadran. Uh, Zadran was out, however, for 21 runs uh, when the score was, I believe, 166 for the loss of six wickets. Rashid Khan uh, threw his bat around, got a four, and uh, made 14 runs before he was uh, stumped by Dhoni of Chahal. Um, and then uh, Ikram Ali Khil came on. I think he remained not out till the end. Probably. Yeah, he, I think he remained not out till the end. Um, but, however, you have to applaud Mohammad Nabi's performance here. He made 52 runs and almost saw them home. I think Afghanistan gave them a scare. Uh, gave India a scare uh, because of this innings. He tra- he stayed till the end with a. An, I think he was dismissed maybe in the last over, uh, in the 50th over, for 52 runs. Um, but the highlight of this match towards the end was a hat trick by Mohammad Shami, who dismissed uh, Mohammad Nabi, uh, Aftab Alam, and Mujibur Rahman of uh, three continuous deliveries. The last two uh, being a clean bowled of two beautiful Yorkers. Bowling-wise, India's bowlers bowled really well. Even though it was a very uh, small target, I think they bowled well and ensured that uh, India picked up regular wickets, you know, wickets at regular intervals, as well as bowled very economically. Shami picked up four wickets for 40 runs in uh, his 9.5 overs. Bumrah, economical as always, uh, had also picked up two wickets in that crucial spell in the middle overs. Um, uh, Yuzvendra Chahal, Two wickets for 36 runs in 10 overs. Hardik Pandya also picked up a couple of wickets for 51 runs in his 10 overs. And Kuldeep Yadav, although he did not pick up a wicket, he bowled economically for 39, uh, you know, 10 overs and 39 runs. Uh, man of the match, and I'm very happy to say that he's a bowler this time, and that is Jaspreet Bumrah. Um, so India, you know, have found that, you know, or India's middle order has finally been exposed, I have to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, they almost had a scare uh, on a very slowish pitch. Uh, so it exposed the middle order. However, I think very importantly, Kedar Jadav, who hasn't had a lot of match time, got an opportunity this time, and I think he made it count. Uh, but we can talk about the others, uh, you know, on their positions, and if there are any other changes that can be made to this Indian lineup a bit later. Yeah. But what do you think of this match? It was a close one, right? Did you follow this? Uh, no, unfortunately, because I was uh, playing, uh, I only caught the last two overs of Afghanistan's chase, right? So I was lucky enough to see the hat-trick or at least hear the hat-trick, right? So in this case, um, when when you look at the um, strike rates of uh, the batsmen on both the teams, mm-hmm. you see Kohli has a strike rate of better than 100, mm-hmm. right? Everybody else has struggled, even established batsmen, Shankar, Dhoni, you know, Jadhav even. They are all having 70s, 50s, 70s strike rates like this. Even KL Rahul had only a strike rate of 56. Similarly, on the other side, you know, uh, Nabi had a strike rate of nearly 95. And then Najibullah Zadran had a strike rate of 92. Outside of that, everybody is again struggled. They are in 60s or 50s or 40s. So this shows clearly this was a sticky pitch. When you look at the bowling compositions, I think Afghanistan sort of read the pitch right. And if they had gotten to bat first, I think they may have well batted India out of this comp- uh, match because... 
Look, they have only two medium or military medium bowlers. Uh, after Balam and Gulbadin, both bowl mm-hmm. around 75 to 80 miles, mile an hour mark, right? And then they had four spinners, or they had three full spinners and a part-timer. So, Mujibur Rahman, Mohammad Nabi, Rashid Khan, and Rahmat Shah. So, they had sort of read this pitch really well. And even though India finished with a slightly below par 224, given the pitch and given how well their spinners bowl, they still mm-hmm. were in the game, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think a lot of credit goes to Kedar Jadav, who was able to take India to 224, right? Tony was a very uh, very subdued 28 of just uh, 52 balls, which is very weird for Dhoni, right? So it and also Rahul struggled, but that all this shows that stroke makers were not able to get the ball on the bat as easily as you know what they're mm-hmm. used to. Rahul is a stroke maker and he probably uh, struggled a little on the sticky pitch. Yeah. Right? Also, Mujibur Rahman, his uh, his contribution was very very important because when he opened, he took out the big scoring Rohit Sharma. That's his only wicket. But then he also finished with like uh, just giving away 26 runs of his full court of 10 overs. Right. This was very impressive. So. All in all, this was a real thriller, and I think India were very, very lucky to have gotten away with this, right? Yeah. Um, well, until Rahmat Shah and Hashmatullah Shahidi batting, you know, this was, I'm talking about, uh, you know, two for 106. So, yeah. this was still in the 26th, 27th over of the innings, and they had plenty of time left. They could have scored at 5 over once, you know, the, let's say, the venom out of the Indian attack had been drawn. But, you know, a lot of credit to Bumrah, and rightfully, even though... Shami took four wickets. Bumrah finishes as the man of the match, even though he had two wickets because of yeah. these two dismissals, uh, is what I think. Because yeah. those were his wickets and he took them out, I think, even in the same over, if I'm not wrong, right? Yeah. Dismissing both set batters. Yeah. That was the crucial turning point because Asghar Afghan failed after that and it all fell on Mohammad Nabi and a little bit too on Najibullah Satran. And as well as they batted, in the end, the Indian, uh, you know, the Pacers were a bit too much at, in the back end of the innings because... Um, you know, it was 24 runs of 18 balls. This is a very gettable total with Muhammad Nabi in the crease. And I think he had Ikram Ali Khil for company. Yeah. So it was not a completely ungettable thing. But the way Shami bowled the 48th over of the innings was yeah. very good. Right. And then Bumrah followed it up with another excellent over. Yeah. So they sort of finished it off right there. And they had enough to chase. 16 runs of the last over is still chaseable given the, what happens in IPL day in, day out. Right. Yeah. And uh, Nabi hit the first ball for a four. So I can just tell you, my heart stopped in a mouth when, you know, uh, he, he he took the second ball he or he uh, declined the second ball single so that he retained yeah. the strike. And the third ball, he hit high and long. And my heart stopped in my <laughs> because uh, it looked like he had cleared long off, but long on, but I think it went straight into long on hands to, you know, uh, I think Pandya. Hardik Pandya, yeah. Yeah. That began the slide, which you know brought in two clean bowls for uh, Mohammad Shami. So he becomes the second Indian to take a World Cup hat-trick after Chetan Sharma 32 years ago. That Chetan Sharma had done that. So congrats to Mohammad Shami. Wonderful bowling performance. His final spell does not actually indicate how well he how well he bowled because yeah. uh, his first spell was four overs, one made in, six runs, one wicket. That was like yeah. crazy good, right? Yeah. Yeah. So again, the Indian bowlers seem to have, for a change, bailed the Indian team out and have won this match for India. It would have been two continuous upsets in a row because Sri Lanka having beaten England yesterday, it would also have been another upset today. But this one has gone on to form. This is unexpected, so to say that there was such a tough contest. Yeah. But India and India deserve the two points that they get. And they are third on the table now, having won four of their uh, five matches and the other one that was abandoned gives them nine points. Right. Yeah. The other two teams, New Zealand and Australia, who are ahead of them, 
have played one match extra. Okay. Right. So now let's look at uh, the other match, right? The second real thriller of the day, the match between West Indies and uh, New Zealand, right? So if we were to quickly look at the scores, this match was played in Manchester and uh, New Zealand uh, were asked to bat first by West Indies who had won the toss, right? So in this case, Sheldon Cottrell made two quick incisions. He dismissed both the openers of the very first balls they faced and New Zealand was 0 for 2 in the first hour of the game, right? So it was it was crazy. And um, but somehow Kane Williamson and La, Ross Taylor came together. They steadied the ship first and built a wonderful, wonderful platform. They took uh, New Zealand to 167 for 2 in the 35th over when Ross Taylor was dismissed for 69. Kane Williamson held one end together and he even accelerated once he completed his 100. So Kane Williamson made a very effective 148 out of 154 balls. And if you can imagine, he uh, took, I think, about 125 balls for his uh, 100. So from there, if you look at it, he has accelerated beautifully and then finished nearly run a ball. Even though he took half of the number of balls in the innings, he made effective use of it. Uh, Tom Latham made 12, Jimmy Neesham 28, Colin de Grandholm 16, Mitchell Sattler 10. They took New Zealand to a very competitive 291 for 8. And nobody could have assumed they would get to this far. Uh, when you remember how they were batting the first 10 or 12 overs that uh, Ross Taylor and Kane Williamson were batting. This shows how much time is really there in an ODI. That you can actually construct a proper innings, take it deep into the 30th, 35th over. And if you have batters left, you can always increase the score quite effectively. When you look at the bowling performances, Sheldon Cottrell took 4 for 56 of his 10 overs. Kimar Roach, who was brought back into the team along with Ashley Nurse. Uh, Kimar Roach took 38 uh, or considered 38 runs of 10 overs but could not take any wickets. Holder took uh, no wickets but considered again 6 runs an over bowling his 7 overs. And then the only other bowler of any note was Carlos Brathwaite who finished the innings off. He was very costly in the end but he took 2 wickets for uh, 58. And of course, uh, Universe boss, Gale, who actually dismissed Ross Taylor and started the wickets again flowing for New Zealand, took one for eight in two overs. In response, again, the Universe boss, Chris uh, Gale, had a wonderful, wonderful uh, impact on this game. It looks like Evan Lewis was ruled out due to an injury. As a result, uh, you know, he could not bat any higher than, let's say, five down or number seven or lower in the batting order. As a result, Chris Gale opened with Shy Hope. Shai Hope and Nicholas Puran were dismissed uh, very rapidly by Bolt, who took both their wickets, uh, having only given away one run each to the batter. Right? This reduced uh, West Indies to 2 for 20 in the 7th over. But then uh, Chris Gale stayed and Hetmeyer got together with him and they batted very sensibly to take West Indies to uh, 2 for 142 in just the 23rd over. So West Indies were right on top. They were keeping up easily with the net run rate and uh, required run rate and they had two strikers of the ball at the crease. But then, you know, Ferguson had different ideas. First, he came back and bowled um, Hetmeyer. Then he took out Jason Holder of the very next ball, right? So suddenly, West Indies subsided. Carlos Brathwaite came in to join uh, Chris Gale and they took the score all the way to just 152 when Chris Gale himself was also dismissed by Colin de Grandau, right? So this meant, you know, West Indies were now second favourites to win this game. And it was not going to be easy. But Carlos Brathwaite probably play, played the best one-day innings of his career, where he has hit 101 of 82 balls. And he was the last man dismissed. He kept company with Ashley Nurse and Evan Lewis could not do much. Evan Lewis came in at number eight, but really could not do much. So 
He kept company with Roach, who batted at nine, Cottrell, who batted at ten, and O'Shane Thomas. And even though Cottrell and uh, Roach only contributed in the teens, they kept uh, Craig Brathwaite company, Carlos Brathwaite company, and they took the match all the way into the penultimate over, where West Indies ended up with the last man for company, Carlos Brathwaite, who had just completed his hundred, required six runs to win off eight balls. This is the point where Carlos Brathwaite decided he got a hitable ball and he tried to hit it out of the ground, but he was caught. at deep end wicket in the longest part of the ground he was really unlucky to be dismissed like it was a yard out that's all from the boundary and that was a fantastic fantastic catch that bolt was able to take in the deep we know how good bolt is right with his catching so he took a very very important catch and won this game for new zealand right when you look at the bowling again bolt was very good he took 4 for 30 and then uh, henry was a very costly so in one over i think it was the 47th over of the innings if i don't uh, get that wrong I think Carlos Bathwaite took him for 25 runs, and that changed the complexion of the entire game, right? Uh, Lockie Ferguson was a bit costly, but took three for 59. Uh, Jimmy Neesham took one for 35, and Colin Grantham took one for 22. Santner uh, did not take a wicket and considered 61 runs of his full quota of overs, right? So again, New Zealand won a real, real, real thriller. It was a bit of a heartbreak because having done so well, having gotten to 100 and taken 25 runs of the pre-penultimate over, uh, Carlos Bathwaite could not finish. the innings and could not take the winning hit right as a result uh, it was heartbreak for west indies and this also makes it very difficult for them to uh, you know qualify uh, for the knockouts kiri well i think west indies so far they have played six matches right and uh, they've just they've won i think just one match that was against pakistan at the beginning of their tournament they've had four losses with three points uh, they placed seventh on the table uh i think yeah i think west indies have very less or even no chance of making it to the you know uh, playoffs or the semi finals i think it's very difficult for them along with south africa and pakistan afghanistan is out of the tournament but i think uh, yeah west indies yeah the probably the dream is over indeed well i mean this sort of quickly brings us to the next match you know south africa versus pakistan that is scheduled to be played tomorrow the 23rd of june what are your thoughts on this kiri well i mean is it just pride they are playing for or if let's say south africa uh, were to win the remaining uh, three matches and pakistan the remaining four do they actually have a chance i think pakistan in this case might have a chance what are your thoughts on that i think pakistan might have a chance uh, but <laughs> who are they playing against uh, have they played against australia already uh, no so no, i right? think so, they have yeah yeah so even if they win uh, one match i think they will be placed at five points which is still uh, i think even if they win two matches out of those uh, four that they have that they are mm. uh, scheduled to play right. they will reach seven points and currently the fourth place team is england with already eight points so they can't make it so i don't think it's possible right. um but south africa have everything to play for and uh, most importantly the their pride i think they promised a lot uh but they haven't delivered mm. it's yet another disappointment uh for them when it comes to icc tournament they are a very good test side but i think in one day format they are still struggling they have been struggling over for, for quite some time now um mm. yeah it's going to be an interesting match uh <laughs> pakistan will look to bounce back uh, from their defeat against india and uh, south africa will try to do the same uh but no i think they lost to bangladesh right so we'll see um 
Well, let me give you an outlandish scenario. Okay. Right? What if Pakistan were to win all four of their matches? They would be placed on 11 points. If uh-huh. England, who have three matches left, lose okay. to India, okay. lose to Australia, right? Uh-huh. And win the remaining match, right? That okay. would actually disqualify England and let Pakistan qualify. Is this even a possibility for you? Well, now that you say that, why not? Right? Why not? I think England, with by losing to Sri Lanka yesterday, I think they've uh, opened up this... Uh, opportunity or uh, or uh, you know the door is getting uh, open for pakistan but uh, mm. i think winning four on the trot could be a bit of a challenge but you never know i think pakistan probably are the only team who are capable of doing, doing that indeed well they have a couple of slippery peels of matches one against uh, bangladesh one against afghanistan but if they are charged up sufficiently right i think they can run through uh, both of these teams if they beat south africa convincingly tomorrow they can run through the other two teams and West Indies are their last match, if I'm not wrong. And I'm hoping they'll be able to also run through West Indies. A little bit dispirited ones because they don't think they are, they know they can't go any further, right? Then probably the last league match of the entire tournament, right? The group stages, India versus England will be a knockout for England, right? That I think I, think I would really love this scenario to unfold, yeah. but maybe I'm a dreamer. Let's see how that goes, right? Yeah. Okay, let's go further. Uh, if you were to look at the other news from out of uh, World Cup, right? You see that well, uh, Netherlands and Zimbabwe played out the second ODI at Deventer. Uh, Zimbabwe made a very challenging 290 for six, but uh, Netherlands played wonderfully well to chase this down. So just a quick summary of this: so Zimbabwe got to 290 for six with the help of Erwin who made 84, uh, Sebastian Mire who made 28. Uh, Brandon Taylor 51 and Sikandar has a wonderful 85 not out towards the end. Uh, but Netherlands played out very well with Tim Wiese and uh, O'Dowd uh, starting very slowly. But then once the platform was set, right, mm-hmm. uh, Rolof van der Merwe made 57 in quick time and Sailor Edwards, uh, Stewart Edwards and Peter Sailor, the skipper, finished it off with a wonderful, wonderful quick partnership at the end. Especially Peter Sailor, the skipper, making 30 touches, 15 balls to take his team home, right? So with this, uh, Netherlands claims the two one-day series 2-0. So this is another blow for Zimbabwe because off-field they have suffered a blow that, you know, the entire Zimbabwe cricket board has been suspended, right? Uh, even the MD, Givmore Makoni, has been suspended because uh, it looks like the Sports and Recreation Commission, which is a government body under which all the registered sporting associations in Zimbabwe come under, they have decided to do this. So why they do it, what are the legal positions, we'll have to look at it in the upcoming days. But it looks like they have appointed a interim committee with uh, David Elman, Brown, Ahmad Ibrahim and a couple of other very well-known older faces of the board uh, being appointed to this committee. So some upheaval off the field as well for Zimbabweans. Uh, they are already struggling quite a lot on the field because you know they failed to qualify for the World Cup. As a result, they lost a lot of funding and nobody wants to tour Zimbabwe. This really doesn't help them, I think. Right. Uh, going further, if you remember Joe Clark and uh, Tom Kohler Cadmore, the two bad boys who are also cited in that, uh, you know, the WhatsApp group uh, for which uh, a former England player or a former England county player was, you know, given five years of uh, sentence. Right. They are now going to be up against the CDC or the Cricket Disciplinary Commission of ECB. 
right? Uh, even though the courts did not punish them, ECB may actually punish them. So this comes as a bit of, uh, this is an expected news, but it still comes as a bit of a shock for these two players because both of them were a part of the England lines or the England A setup. And Joe Clark, people are even thinking he could have made a debut in the Ashes series because, or even maybe he would have been drafted into this World Cup squad with, you know, Alex Hales uh, deselected and uh, uh, Jason Roy injured. This guy had a real chance of making it. He was so talented a batter. Now I think he'll have to be forced to take some time out of the game and he'll have to really go back and reflect on uh, what his behavior cost him and maybe, you know, how he can come back best. Right? Uh, let's hope he really comes back strong and he's able to make up for those lost times. Uh, going further, Yuvraj Singh, who was uh, seeking a BCCI no objection certificate, looks like has been given one and he's now in the global Canada T20 leagues draft. So he'll also be one of the players that the teams can choose for themselves for the global Canada T20 league coming up, right? Uh, in other news, well, BCCI has put its foot down or the um, Justice DK Jain, who's basically the ombudsman of uh, BCCI, has put his foot down basically. And he has advised that, well, I mean, people like, you know, some of the biggest names in the last two to three generations of Indian cricket, Tendulkar, Ganguly, Lakshman, Kavaskar, you know, Harbhajan Singh, Kumble, all of these people have been advised to choose between, well, whether it's IPL team, cricket administration, coaching role or commentary, choose one, they have been told. So um, the Supreme Court given guidelines for BCCI constitution actually recommends that all the people who are involved have one post at a time, uh, you know, manner rather than having multiple posts at a time. You can't also be a IPL team advisor. You can't also comment on IPL. You can't also have a, you know, a cricket committee membership for BCCI, these things, right? It looks like they are all paid positions or they might, some of these might be even honorary positions, but that doesn't matter. So this is, uh, this is going to be an interesting fight, I think, because these are some of the who's who of Indian cricket over the last two to three generations. So it's going to be very interesting how this is going to pan out. And I think we are going to keep our uh, listeners updated on this in the upcoming episodes as well. Right. All right. And uh, now let's look at the trivia section. So the trivia question from the previous episode was, who is the first New Zealand batsman to be dismissed hit wicket in a World Cup ODI match? So as usual, Yogesh, our uh, listener and supporter, has come up with the right answer. It is Guptil, Martin Guptil, who has dismissed hit wicket against the match uh, against South Africa, the match that we covered in the previous episode. And uh, the trivia question for today is, well, fellow Antigans, Viv Richards, Andy Roberts, Cutley Ambrose have been recognized for their cricketing achievements. What common honor do they actually share? The hint is that it's not away from the cricketing field and there is a pun there maybe right uh, i see how many of us uh, and how many of our listeners and friends can actually listen and come up with the answer for this there is a, it's an interesting answer to this let's see all right you can get in touch with us to give us the right answer to this question or share your thoughts and comments via social media platforms for example twitter at armchaircrickpod our facebook page right you could write into us at gmail.com. you could leave a comment on any app where you actually uh, you know, listen to this um, podcast. We would be very grateful if you also uh, give us a five-star rating on any of these apps, be it Apple Podcasts or any of Podbean or any other apps, right? So uh, I think the, with the remaining number of matches all taking a lot of significance, I think there's quite plenty to discuss and plenty to look forward to in the upcoming episode. So I hope you guys stay tuned in and do keep listening to us, right? Having said all that, 
it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast